1: accepted, redeemed by His grace. Let the house of the Lord sing praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord. There's joy in the house of the Lord today. And we won't be quiet. We shout out your Shout out. Okay. Keep- and I keep You're the name above all names Be exalted now in the heavens As your glory fills this place You alone deserve our praise You're the name above all names Be exalted now in the heavens As your glory fills this place alone to serve our praise. You're the
0: I just want to tell you, I'm going to change my format just a little bit and explain why. I am having so much joy being at this wonderful, wonderful church. We've been talking about it for a couple months coming here, and I just had a sensation. I just had a feeling that this church is special. And this church is special. I just love being here. I can sense the Holy Spirit being here. I can sense the love that you have for each other, and it's great to be in the kingdom, isn't it? We all have problems, but we have an awesome God that we can give those problems to, don't we? And so, Pastor Jim told me that he's not going to preach today, and so he's going to let me have the opportunity to preach which is unusual because in most churches I get to go to maybe 10 minutes reluctantly and so forth. But uh, so I just am so grateful to be here. And so that's I'm changing my format. Usually they tell Gideons when you start a presentation on the Gideons, give them an attention statement first to get their attention. But I know that I would much rather share my heart with you. And tell you how, how much joy I'm having to be here this morning. So I'm going to give a little bit of a, kind of a somewhat formal Gideon presentation. Because there's a lot good about Gideons. A lot you would want to know about and so forth. And then after I conclude my Gideon presentation, I just want to speak to you about my, from my heart. Something about what's going on in our world today. And how we have the answer to the world's problems. And that answer is Jesus. And I fear that maybe there's somebody that doesn't really know Jesus the way that Jesus wants you to know them. And so that's why when I get done, I want to speak from my heart. Because it's my firmest desire... That everybody that's here today, if your heart stopped beating tonight, that you know 100% for sure that you're going to be in heaven forever and ever and ever. And so that's what I want to address after I get done with my formal Gideon presentation. I promised Pastor Jim that I'd be done before 3 o'clock. So you all, you all relax. So I'm going to start with my attention getter. And then bear with me. Okay? <clears throat> I am a child of God. Let me just see that I have my Bible. Yes. I am a child of God. No harm <clears throat> will come to me. <clears throat> That was a statement that Leah made. One day, Leah, a Christian young lady that's a nurse, finished her working in the operating room. And on her way home, she stopped to get some groceries. And as she was walking back to her car, there was a thug that attacked her and knocked her down. And the immediate thought that she had is, I am a child of God. No harm will come to me. Well, that thug started dragging her across the parking lot, took her to a building, and she thought it looked like that might be a motel. And another thought came to her. She says, I think Gideon sometimes put Bibles in those motels. Maybe there's going to be a copy of God's Word that's going to help me out. And so I took her in the side door and at the foot of the base of stairs looked up, there's three more gentlemen at the... gentlemen, three more men at the top of the stairs... They came down, they helped drag Leah back to the end of the hall into a room. There were more men that were in that room when she first came into that room. She noticed on a table that, uh, at the table, that that might be a Bible in that, and she ran to get it. She broke away, was able to do so. The men tried to stop her. The t- table turned over, and it opened up right into Leah's hands. And Leah started reading from Psalm 59. Listen what she said. She says, Deliver me from my enemies, O my God. Defend me from those who rise up against me. Deliver me from the workers of iniquity, and save me from bloodthirsty men. For look, they lie in wait for my life. The mighty gather against me. Not for my transgressions, nor for my sin, O Lord. They run and prepare themselves through no fault of mine, awake to help me. <clears throat> and behold, isn't it amazing what kind of a God have we had that He presented that to you? They started yelling, Get that book away from her! Take that book away from her! Some force prevented them from taking that book away. So Leah continued to read. I will wait for you, O you, his strength, for God is my defense. My God of mercy shall come to to meet me. God shall let me see my desire on my enemies. Get that book away from her. Get that book away from her. And she continued to read. And she read. And she said, But I will sing of your power. Yes, I will sing aloud of your mercy in the morning. For you have been my defense and refuge in the day of my trouble. To you, O my strength. I will sing praises, for God is my defense, my God of mercy. And she looked up from the Bible, and the room was totally vacant. Those men had left. Leah called the police, gave a report. The police officer took fingerprints and found the fingerprints of 12 different men that were in that room. In the bathroom, they saw some duct tape, rope, a knife, a tarpaulin, and a shovel. Very, very obvious, those men came to use and abuse and kill Leah. The power of God's word intervened and saved her life, and she's alive today. Praise the Lord. That's that's one of the reasons that we as Gideons love to do what we do. Elliot Oswit was a young man, grew up in North Carolina. He went into the Army and is one of the youngest men in his, his platoon. And so he learned some things when he was in the Army. He learned how to drink. He learned how to do drugs. He learned how to abuse women. And so he did that a good part of his spare time. When he got out of the Army... Somehow or other, Polly married the man, but he continued with his habits. In fact, he went out about six weeks before Christmas and went on a six-week binge with his drinking and his drugs and his partying, came home after six weeks, came home on Christmas Eve, went into the door to open the door, and the door was locked, which they had never done before. He knocked on the door, his wife came to the door, Polly, Holly had no hair, had no eyebrows, no eyelashes. She had contracted a rapid-growing cancer while he was out having a time of his life. She wouldn't let him in. And so he left, and he went to a motel in the area, took his revolver with him because he was so distraught he was ready to commit suicide. He's laying on the bed, and as he's laying there, He decided to go to the bathroom. And when he went to the bathroom, he saw that a Bible was open there. Now, he knew it was a Bible. He didn't know what it was about, never read the Bible. But it disturbed him that the Bible was open. And he swept it on the floor. It stayed open on the floor. He tried to kick it under the bed, but there was a wooden frame underneath the bed. He picked it up, and these words jumped out at him. They said, peace, I leave with you. My peace... I give unto you, not as a world giveth, do I give un, unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it, be, let it not be afraid. And Eliot sat there and read that. He said it was like those words just jumped off the page, that he should have peace, which he hadn't had for a long time. And he read it, and he read it. He called his wife to let him know what has happened in his life. She told him, well, you stay there. She says, I'll call my pastor and see if he might want to talk to you. She didn't want to talk to him. The pastor on Christmas Eve, pastor, went to that motel and spent about 15 minutes with, with uh, Elliot. And he told Elliot, he says, why don't you just stay right here in this motel room and continue to read God's word. And he did, he read the word, and he read the word for three days. He read the word. He went to the church on Sunday morning, sat in the pew behind his wife, and he heard the message given by the pastor that he could have peace, that he could have eternal life, that he could have joy, that he could have victory. Elliot went forward at that church and accepted Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior because of the power of God's word that was in his pathway that he could learn the truth and really accept and have a life that's worth living Leah uh, Paulie accepted him back they have now eight children Elliot is a pastor in a church in North Carolina because of the power of God's word and because of the God that wrote this book we invited Elliot to speak at the state convention of Ohio Gideons about four or five years ago. And the day after, we brought him up to Chatfield for our local Gideon meeting to have him speak and tell us stories and give us some Bible wisdom. I had the pleasure of taking him to the airport that night, and he and I got to share about how the Lord has affected our lives. Power, power, power in God's Word and fellow Christians. Well, the, in, the Gideon uh, International is an international organization of born-again Christian businessmen, professionals, and farmers, and their spouses that are born again. We are men and women who love the Lord and have a burden for the lost. Our main purpose, the main reasons that Gideon's exists is to try to introduce to as many men and women boys and girls, a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And we do this through personal witnessing and through the distribution of God's word. We're the ones that place Bibles such as this into hotels and motels and nursing homes and hospitals and the offices of physicians and dentists and chiropractors and optometrists. We also distribute a powerful, powerful little pocket version of God's Word. This includes the New Testament, Psalms, and Proverbs. In the front of the book are areas of help, because everybody has struggles in life, don't we? Everybody is concerned about something. And you can turn to God's Word, whether it be a financial concern, a health issue, maybe you've lost a loved one, maybe you've lost a job, maybe you're in depression, but you can turn to God's Word. And when you meditate on that, those verses that are there, God will help you get through whatever it is that you're going through. He may not totally eliminate it, but He's going to walk with you step by step. And when you have Him walking with you, you can handle anything in the back part of the 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 book is the plan of salvation this is god's promise his promise to us that we can know that we are sinners we don't deserve to go to heaven we are not good enough we will never be good enough but god is good enough god sent his son because he loves Each one of you, he loves everybody just as you are. And there's nothing you can do that's going to make him love you more. There's nothing you can do to make him love you less. But just knowing that he sent his son Jesus to die on that cross to pay for your sins, when you see that, you're reading the truth. You're reading God's plan for you. He came to save sinners. He didn't come to criticize or critique people, but he wants you to be faithful and follow him. And when you read this plan, the plan that you're not good enough, you're a sinner, Jesus came to save you from your sins, and then you can invite this Jesus into your heart. Invite him to be savior of your life, that you want him in control, and when you make that decision, that's the ticket for you to be able to go into God's kingdom forever and ever and ever, we distribute these to school-age youngsters, to college students, to those in jails and prisons, to our uh, first advisors, to our firefighters and our police officers, and so and so forth. We have Gideon in camps in close to two hundred countries and territories throughout the world. We have God's Word printed in over a hundred different languages. Just a little brief history about the Gideons. It was in 1998, which makes it about 125 years ago. Two traveling salesmen ended up at the same hotel that was sold out, except there was only one room that was open. So they each took the one bedroom, and they, they had already brought their Bibles with them and started talking about what the Lord has done in their life. And so they thought maybe there was an opportunity for us to work together to provide an avenue for traveling salesmen to get together, bind together, strengthen their relationship, their testimony. And so they talked about it, agreed to meet one year later. Well, you see how how God works. One year later, they had a 50% increase in there. Instead of two men, there were three. And so it was 1899 that these three men sat down together, wrote the bylaws for Gideons, prayed about, and the name Gideon came to their mind, and that's been called Gideons ever since 1899. Well, they first met just to get together and share each other and strengthen each other's walk. We didn't, as Gideons, distribute Bibles until about 1908 when a group of pastors came to the Gideons and asked the Gideons if they purchased Bibles, would you be willing to distribute them? And so the Gideons started in 1908 and distributed over 5,000 Bibles that first year. Now, if we go back and look at the total of Bibles that were distributed, uh, and, you, and you look at every year after year after year, it took 21 years. For the gideons to distribute one million copies of god's word prior to the pandemic we were distributing over one million copies of god's word praise the lord every five days so we we're over 80 million dollars prior to the prior to the pandemic now if you distribute a million bibles And then you do it again, you've distributed 2 million. If you did it again, then you've distributed 3 million, right? If you keep doing that and you distribute 1,000 Bibles, that means we've distributed a billion Bibles. In the year of 2001, after 93 years of Gideon's, we distributed our first billion copies of God's Word. Our second billion occurred in 2015, 14 years later. Two billion copies. Now we're up over 2.5 billion copies of God's Word have, have, have been distributed throughout the world. <clears throat> One of those scriptures ha- landed in the hand of Christopher Ewan. Christopher Ewan was a Chinese student in, in dental school. He was two months shy of of graduating as a dentist. But Christopher Ewan also was very highly active in the drug industry, buying, selling, using drugs. Very active in the gay community also, sometimes being with gentlemen two or three times a day. And that was Christopher's past. His parents came and talked to him. They prayed for him for eight to 10 years. They prayed for him. He kicked him out of the house because he didn't want to hear it. They gave him a Bible. He threw that Bible in the gar- garbage can, continued in his, in his habits with his drugs and, and with his gay lifestyle until he was busted one day by the Chicago 21 uh, drug inspectors, came to his house, and they had the largest raid in the drug industry. They had the equ- equivalent of over 9 tons of marijuana. So Christopher Ewan ended up in jail. One day, he was walking through the kitchen area, and he saw a garbage can. And on the top of the garbage can was a copy of God's Word. And Christopher Ewan took that copy of God's Word off the garbage can, started reading it, and started reading it, and started reading it, became convicted. He found Jesus Christ in a relationship with Jesus Christ just by reading his word and praying to him. Christopher Ewan today is a full-time professor at Moody Bible College. And we had Christopher to one of our Ohio conventions about three years ago. He gave us two hours of of Bible teaching, gave his testimony. What an awesome difference it has made, the power of God's word. And that's why we as Gideons do what we do. Uh, You might be asking, you know, that that sounds like that's a pretty good organization, that Gideon organization, and it is. It's terrific. I love it. I'm going to share a little bit about it more, but there are four things that maybe you could do to help us, if you will, okay? Number one is something that all of you can do, and I pray that all of you will do. When you get along with the Lord in your quiet time and you have your prayer list, would you put the Gideon ministry on your prayer list? There's power in prayer, power in prayer. If that's the only thing that you can do, that's the greatest thing that you can do. If we can have this many people praying for the Gideons each day, what things we can accomplish together, right, in the power of the Lord. Pray that we're successful in what we do, and that's the word of God, to raise funds in order to do so, to have relationships with people and try to change the world one life at a time. Pray that we would uh, have protection for the Gideons when they're in harm's way. Last month in June, we sent a group of about 25 Gideons. We call them International Scripture Blitzes. 25 Gideons will come together in one country and be there for about a week, and the idea they want to distribute like three, four, 500,000 copies of God's Word. In June, they were in Zambia and Tanzania. In J- July, we didn't send a, a group out because we had our international convention in Louisville, Kentucky, which was fantastic. There were 2,200 brothers and sisters together, and they rep- we represented 80 different countries. And it was just a little small touch of what heaven's going to be like, that we have all these people of different nationalities and backgrounds, colors and so forth, that the color of clothing, the Africans come and wear their clothing. It was a beautiful time. But then in August, we have a split... I'm having some brain trauma. A, 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 a blitz in Colombia and Indonesia. And so pray for the protection of those Gideons that are in harm's way. And pray that we could get new Gideons. In fact, the second thing, that you may be of some help to us, not all of you, not all of you, but if you are a man and you are born again, you love the Lord and you want to serve him, I consider you, uh, encourage you to consider joining the Gideons as a member. Gideons are known as an uh, organization of old men and their fathers. And we're kind of getting lesser Gideons and with a pandemic hit us hard. So if you think you might like to serve the Lord and be a part of this wonderful, wonderful ministry, talk to me afterwards and I can give you a, a name and a, a time for, to get together and, and, and pray about it and look at it in, in greater detail. A third area is continue using our Gideon card program. I notice out in the lobby that you have cards that are out there similar to this. These cards are free, and what you want to do if you do that, there's different kinds. You can send a card to somebody say, I'm praying for you, I'm grateful for you, congratulations on what you've accomplished, congratulations on a wedding or a graduation, or to the, somebody that's had a loss in their family. Send a card that, in memory of the one that you love and we love, I'm sending Bibles to the Gideons through this Gideon card. So it has the opportunity for you to make a check and make a, send an offering to the Gideons if you so desire, and then send that card on to the people that you're honoring. Let them know that you're praying for them and God is with them at this present time. And then the fourth area of possible help, if you could, could do that, would be to uh, buy Bibles yourself. As uh, Pastor Jim said, for the next two weeks, if you want to, the collection plate, you can put money in that if you want to. Uh, you can put it on a credit card or, or whatever. But $5 will purchase a copy of a Bible like this. If this Bible is left in a motel room, uh, it can have a shelf life of maybe up to six years might have 2,300 people that get a chance to look at it. $100, you have 23,000 people that will have a chance to look at God's Word. About a dollar and a half, a buck and a half will get a testament like this. And uh, if you give up just three coffees at Starbucks with fufu, you're going to be able to buy about three of these uh, scriptures in order to change kids' lives and, and other people's lives lives as well. I just want to show a little video of the power of God's Word directly from an individual that had the chance to have an encounter with God's Word, a guy by the name of Ron Archer. He's from a place you might have heard about, and I'll let him explain that. Uh, It's a little tough and rough around the edges because Ron Archer grew up in a tough environment, which you're going to hear about it but it is so powerful to hear him talk about how his life was changed that I'm going to just let him do it. His name is Ron Archer again. You can get it on YouTube if you wanted to watch it yourself.
2: I was 10 years old, and I held my mother's gun to my head, and I wanted to blow my brains out all over her wall. You must ask the question, why would a 10-year-old child want to die? 10 is a time to dream of being an astronaut, of being a soccer star, a football player, a preacher, a pastor, a doctor. But for me, life was so horrific, with so much vitriol and pain, I wanted to die. I'm the product of interracial immigrants. My grandmother was tall, white, and thin from Germany, and we called her French Fry. My grandfather was a big, burly black man from Cuba, and we called him Hamburger. Hamburger met French Fry and created a Happy Meal and these two immigrants produced seven McNuggets with special sauce. We would joke that we would have Schnitzel with salsa for Thanksgiving. Mm. My grandfather had to hide the fact in the 1940s in America that he was married to a Caucasian woman. One wedding anniversary, he had a flaw. He liked to drink overproof Cuban rum. And one evening he was inebriated, and a man saw them together and said to my grandmother, why would you be a nigger lover? My grandfather, with huge arms, lost his temper and hit the man in the jaw and broke his neck. The man didn't die, but he was injured severely. He went to the worst prison, convicted of the crime. Mansfield Reformatory in Ohio. Locked down 23 hours a day. It hit the newspapers that my grandmother was married to this convicted felon and she lost her job. But being a German woman, she didn't complain or whine or woe is me. She began to work odd jobs, cleaning other people's houses and toilets, taking care of their children. But as she was working, she would have fainting spells, passing out, doing her job. She went to the doctor and discovered that she had a tumor growing behind her left eye that was metastasizing to her brain. And the doctor said, we have to take out a third of your face, your eye. You will be malformed and disformed and disfigured for the rest of your life. What do you do with the American dream becomes an American nightmare. She could not work, she was sick and mutilated. My grandfather's in jail and day by day, they lost everything that they had acquired. They lost their house, they lost their car, they lost their furniture, they lost their dignity, they lost their self-esteem and they were living in the streets like animals. My three uncles got hooked on heroin. They belonged to a gang called the Devil's Disciple. And my entire family became atheistic. No God, no prayer, no Bible, no hope. And my mother at age 14 was called by a pimp named Larry who said to her, what is school doing for you? You are sitting on a gold mine. She said, where? He said, you're sitting on it. And we call this being turned out, and little by little, she began to sell her 14-year-old body to grown men for money to survive. It's called turning tricks. And at age 16, she got pregnant. We call it having a trick baby. Two strangers meet for a business transaction, and there's a mistake. The pimp said, you can't make any money having a baby in the oven. We have got to kill this baby. They kicked her in her stomach. They fed her alcohol. They gave her drugs. They took a hanger and stabbed the baby over and over again. But the baby would not die. The baby was born two months premature with no pancreas, a learning disability, a bladder too small, unable to function, a severe stutterer. We call it a trick baby nobody wants the baby no hope no future kill it was the word that baby was me i'm the lowest of the low i come from the guttermost i come from a hellish condition And so when I would go to school, I couldn't talk. I stuttered so severely from the trauma. My mother had a madam who hated men. Her name was Dolores, and she was a sadist. And when she would watch me, she would take a broomstick and stick it in a place where no boy should have any object in his body. And when you are tortured like that, you learn four things. Don't talk, don't trust, don't feel, and pretend nothing is happening. And by age 10, I had had enough. I want it to die. And in my school, they put me in a boiler room with other kids who were dysfunctional like me, where we were finger paint all day long. And yet, there was a teacher, thank God for her, who had a Gideon Bible. And she came to my school and she saw kids like me as her mission field. And she would give me this Gideon Bible and read to me stories of dysfunctional characters who God used. She would say to me, Ronaldo, God uses greatly those who have been wounded very deeply. He will turn your pain into power, your wounds into wisdom. She had me read the story of Moses, who was also a stutterer. I began to understand that God did love a trick baby. Even as low as I was, there was hope for me and possibility. And when a child begins to understand the love of God and the power of his word and the possibilities, it changes everything. How can a young man keep his way clean by taking heed according to your word? Your word have I hid in my heart that I may not sin against thee. I began to memorize the Bible, that Gideon Bible, reading 2,000 scriptures. And when you put that kind of word in a life, Something begins to happen. My stuttering went away. I stopped wetting the bed. I stood tall. I became valedictorian, became a pastor and priest until everybody in my family got saved. Why? Because somebody placed the Gideon Bible in a woman's hand that changed a life forever. Yes. Yes. I was born a trick, baby, but the trick was on the devil because of you and the power of the Word of God. Mm. Mm -hmm. I was 10 years old,
0: and I held my... Don't we have an awesome God... That's why we as Gideons do what we do. And that's why I'm here today to share that with you. Because it's a horrible world that's out there right now. It's insane. But we still know that God is in control. And he wants us to serve him. He wants us to get the word out. And so, formally, my Gideon presentation is over, my Gideon part, but I do want to share with you what's on my heart. And I appreciate you having the time to do so. And and, uh, it's on my heart uh, that, yes, this is a terrible world that we have, but we know the answer to the world's problems. And I want to give you my testimony. And you know, listening to Ron Archer, whatever you're struggling with, there's hope. And when you hear how God saved a wretch like me, you can know there's hope, as well. And so I did share with you. I think most of the people who are here are going to be in heaven. I just have that feeling because they've been taught, they pray, they understand that they they can't make it to heaven. But Jesus died for them, and that's part of the wonderful spirit that exists in this church. But maybe there's some of you that are kind of like Ken Gortz was. And God reached me, and I hope he'll reach you if that's the case. And so that's what I want to share with you. I was born in a wonderful, wonderful family. love my parents, have two older brothers, younger sister, We were raised in a Catholic church like A was, right? We didn't talk about the Lord. We didn't pray together. We didn't go to church together. I think the only time I ever saw my dad in a church was at a funeral or a wedding. But we didn't talk about God. We thought that anybody that went to church or talked about God, that they were strange. And so 21 years, I I wasn't an atheist. I just didn't have any reason to talk to God or he wasn't part of my life at all. As I said, wonderful family. But there was no spiritual life in my family. At age 21, I married my high school sweetheart. She also came from a family that had no faith, didn't go to church, And for whatever reason, the two of us decided that we're going to go to church. I don't know why we decided that, but we did. Well, it was my plan, because in the Catholic Church, they tell you that the only way to make it to heaven is to be a Catholic, because man broke away with Martin Luther and started teaching man's teaching. And so if you're going to be a Protestant, you're going to be learning man's teaching. I was told it was a sin for me to go into a Protestant church even. And so my plan was that we were going to go to a Catholic church. We were both 21 years of age. She would take lessons and convert to Catholicism, have the real religion. And so we went to a Catholic church for a couple of weeks. And we'd often get in there late, and we'd stand in the vestibule, and whenever they'd ring the bells, I'd do what a good Catholic does, right? You beat your heart, right? Eh? When the bells ring, you beat your heart. I don't know why, but that's what you're taught. That's part of the tradition. After about two or three weeks of this, my wife came to me, and she says, I'm not getting much out of your church. She said, would you take me to one of mine? She had a neighbor that would take her to an Evangelical United Brethren church back home. And I thought, wow, that's a strange-sounding church. But I'm going to be a good husband, I'm going to take her to hers, and she'll find out what a Mickey Mouse event it is, and she'll want to come back to the real thing. And so we went to that small little church in Columbus, and it happened to be that they had a woman given the message that day. And I thought for sure God was going to hit me with a bolt of lightning, going to a, cat, a Protestant church first, and then with a woman, wow. But that woman, Mabel Benjamin, I have never, in my first 21 years, seen a person that loved the Lord and had a joy and a peace about her like anything I've ever seen. She told us how she had nine surgeries for cancer and lost her arm. She had an artificial arm. She told us how when her two-year-old son, when, when he was two, she was in a very critical car accident, and she almost died. She prayed and asked the Lord to heal her so that she could raise her son. And I saw a countenance about her, a love about her, a peace about her that I didn't know anybody else, but I wanted what she had. And we started going to that church. My wife had brought a Bible into the church. It was the first time in 21 years that I ever touched a Bible. So my foundation was a little bit shaky, but we went, and there was a special uh, service. A, A visiting pastor and his wife came, and gave a a service for two or three evenings and had an invitation to anybody that wanted to accept Jesus as their Savior and have eternal life. Well, I wanted to have eternal life. And so I went forward because of that. But I told myself, I says, I'm not going to surrender. I'm not going to allow God to be in control of my life because I didn't think you could have God in control of your life and really have a enjoyable life, a good life. And so I'll accept that free gift to heaven, I thought. But I was not going to make him Lord of my life. For 40 years, I lived as a Christian atheist. And I don't know if anybody relates to what I'm saying about that. But a Christian atheist meant, oh, I'd go to church. I'd even go to Sunday school. And I would pray but I was in control. I didn't want to have anybody in control of my life. So I did things that I'm not proud of. Had many affairs. Moved out to California to live with my first girlfriend, leaving my wife at home. She tried to talk to me, but I wanted to live life the way I wanted to live it. Well, after 11 years with my girlfriend in California being married to my wife in Ohio, didn't I tell you I was a wretch? You know that song, God, Amazing Grace, that saved a wretch like me? That was me. And there I was, and one day my girlfriend came to me, and she says, I don't think you're ever going to get divorced. I'm going to go back and see my mom in Philadelphia. When I get back, I want you out. And I knew that was the best thing that I should have done. So I lived in California by myself for about seven or eight months. And I got a call from my daughter. She told me that mom, she said, my wife, her, her mother, was very sick and was in the Riverside Hospital with a possible diagnosis of pancreatic cancer. And I didn't know what to do. You know, I was just so bewildered, so disappointed in myself, so lacking God's direction. I did nothing at first. But I called her the next morning, and I told her, I'm sorry that you're sick. I said, if I were to come back, I said, would you even want to see me? And she said, that won't be necessary, but no, you can come back. And so I was on a plane the next day, came back to Ohio. By the time I got back, it was a diagnosis of pancreatic cancer. They thought they'd try chemo and radiation for about six weeks and then operate on it. And they did that, but they decided after six weeks that they couldn't operate. So the final diagnosis was about six months. This was in 2003. Went back in March of 2003, and, and, and September of 2003, she went home to be with the Lord. While I was out in California, she accepted Jesus Christ as her Lord and Savior and was living with her. I prayed that she would be healed and our marriage would be restored. She was healed okay because she's in heaven now. I know that she is, and I'm looking forward to seeing her again. And so I became a caregiver for her for the last six months of her life. I asked her if she would forgive me for what I had done. My wife forgave me. It took me a while to be able to forgive myself, but she forgave me. I know God forgave me. And uh, so she passed away in 2003. And I was still in this condition where I thought, oh, I'm going to go to heaven if I die. But I wasn't surrendered. Dated a young lady down the road and... She had the audacity to tell tell me after after a while that she loves me, but she's not in love with me. And that hurt. And I was kind of down in the dumps, and I talked with a friend of mine. His name was Tom Feening. Tom and I would meet in, in Bucyrus, where I was living. And Tom had been diagnosed with mental illness at age 19 and was bipolar. But he and I would get together at times and study the Bible, talk the Bible, and pray for each other. And so I told Tom, I said, Tom Tom could tell I was just disappointed with myself, with what was happening in my life, with the fact that I got dumped by a woman and so forth. It was just not a highlight of my life, high high time. And Tom, this bipolar, mentally ill individual, said to me, he says, you know what you got to do? I said, what's that, Tom? He says, you got to surrender. 61 years of age, he says, you got to surrender. And that finally made sense to me. God's timing is amazing. I know now, if I had died when I was 55, I'd be in hell right now. Because I said I accepted him, but I didn't. I didn't allow him to be in control of my life. So based on the recommendation from my friend, which I heard for many years, but wasn't ready to accept till I was 61 years of age, I got alone with the Lord and told the Lord, what a mess I've made in my whole life. How sorry I am. Will he forgive me? And will he be in control of my life? And so I took Ken Gortz off the throne and I put Jesus Christ on the throne. Less than a week later, a friend of mine that I'd known for 30 years in Bucyrus, Tom Moore, he used to own the radio station, WBCO in Bucyrus. I'd known him for 25 years. He asked me, he says, Ken, he says, has anybody ever asked you to consider being a Gideon? I told him, Tom, no, nobody's ever asked because it's a good thing because I'd have to say no because I knew I wasn't surrendered. But Tom, I I says, "I, I just surrendered last week. Maybe what, that's what the Lord wants me to do. And I joined the Gideons just shortly after that time. I surrendered to the Lord. I was a new man in Christ. I'm not a perfect man. I'll never be a perfect man. But I'm a new man in Christ, and he's number one in my life. Amen, Amen is right, huh? Amen. What a difference it's made in my life. And so that's what I want to share with everybody here. Those of you that understand what I'm talking about are going to be reinforced about it. Maybe you can use this story to help other people down the road. Those of you that haven't yet accepted Christ, if there's any here, I don't know. You know. It's between you and the Lord. We're not going to ask for any shows of hands. We're not going to ask for any profession of faith because it truly is between you and the Lord. You know yourself right now, if your heart stopped beating, you know if you're going to go to heaven or not. I hear people say, I hope so. It's not a matter of hope. It's a matter of accepting the free gift that God has offered to us. He sent his son to die on the cross so that when we do die, not if we die, it's when we do die, unless the rapture takes us first, that we know, because God doesn't lie. It's in here that says that Jesus died for each and every one of you. But in order to have that gift, you've got to make that decision that took me 61 years to make, and that's to say, okay, I'm going to put him in control of my life. And so if you haven't done that, that's my plea for you. That's my concern for you. That's why I want to share my heart with you. Let you know that when you see me at first, you say, wow, that's, that must be a perfect guy. He's a Gideon. He's a perfect... No, I'm not. <laughs> but God is perfect. And I'm so grateful that it finally it took me 61 years, but he finally allowed me to make a step. And so I want you to get to by yourself sometime and make that same dis- decision. Adrian Rogers, wonderful preacher, has been deceased for 18 years. Wonderful preacher. Adrian Rogers confirmed that to me, and not too long ago, I listened to him on, on the radio. And he said, If Jesus is not your Lord, he's not your Savior. So the wretched I am, I'm saved. But God looks at me as if I'm whiter than snow, pure, and I want you to have that same feeling. So I'm going to just close with a word of prayer, and I'm going to close talking about how easy it would be for you to make that. And As I say, no profession, no showing of hands or anything of that nature, but I'll bring my time to to a close through prayer. And again... I just want to thank you for allowing me to be here. Pastor Jim, thank you so very, very much. So let let us pray. Heavenly Father, what a wonderful morning this has been. What a wonderful church there is here, Lord. There's so much joy and there's so much peace and there's so much love. This church is doing church the way church ought to be done. And I know they're all excited about it. And and, uh, I just thank you for the opportunity that you've given me to be with these wonderful brothers and sisters. And Lord, I pray if there's anybody here that doesn't know that they're going to go to heaven if they go out and get in a car accident or have a heart attack or so many insane things that could happen these days. I just pray that they would get serious with you, Lord. Be honest with you, Lord. And recognize that eternity is a long, long time. Our time on this earth, even if we live to be 100, is a short, short time compared to eternity. So, Lord, if there's anybody out there that hasn't made that step, I pray today might be the day that they would do that. If not today, very soon, but for sure they do it before their heart stops beating. And so I want them to know that they just have to get alone with you as I did and say, Lord, I'm not worthy of you Lord, I'm a sinner. Lord, I've done some things, many things that I'm ashamed of. And I know, Lord, without your help, without your intervention, I'm going to go to hell when my heart st- stops beating. And I don't want that to happen, Lord. I don't want to live in hell for eternity I understand, as Ken and Pastor Jim have said many times, I'm sure, that God loves me even though I've been a sinner my whole life. But he wants me to change. And he wants me to accept him and invite him into my heart to make him Lord of my life. So, Lord, I pray that if you're one of those people that you would do that today or very soon say, Lord, you be in control you be my Lord. You be my guide. You be my best friend. You be my confidant. Lord, be with me. Help me to chase Satan away from my life, from my home, from my, the people I associate with. I want to follow you. And so, Lord, in advance, we're going to just thank you because we know that you want all these people to join all of us and be in heaven someday. So we praise you, we love you, we thank you, for it's in your Son, Jesus' precious name that we pray. Amen and amen. Thank you again.